Technology for you, <laughs> and uh, like I said before, it's, it, it is truly exciting times that we live in. And uh, I don't know—I don't really know how the how the or the election's going to turn out, or who's going to who's going to um, who's going to hold hands with who. And uh, 
But at the end of the day, like I said, it is God who sets up and pulls down, uh, pulls down government. So at the end of the day, if we do what we are called to do, and if we are, uh, our lives are obedient to Christ, uh, uh, I tell you, friends, we've got nothing to worry about. But we do need to make a stand. We do need to, uh, we do need to live a life that shouts. And uh, I mean, this morning we were shouting and praising, and, and uh, when we come to church, it's a good thing to shout to God. I mean, it's a good thing to shout a praise at God. But the thing is, it's like more than just having a, a voice in here. We need our lifestyles to shout praise to God. Amen. We do need our lives to make a shout. We want our lives. I don't know about you, but I want my life to shout out that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want us as a church to stand up and to shout that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not just in the church here right now, but our whole lifestyles to stand up and shout. Why? Because people need to know that there is a God and that God can bring life to those people. Amen. And it's like when you look at, when you read through the Bible, you look at the times when, uh, when Israel was under Babylonian rule. And it's like they were under uh, uh, an evil king called ne- uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. But at the end of the day, the Bible says somewhere in the Bible uh, that God refers to Nebuchadnezzar as his servant. So at the end, end of the day, everything is subject to God. So God will set things in place. God will pull things down. So God will set things up in place. God will set up a government in place in order to the to the church to stand up and actually do something with their lives and actually become the church that God first ordained the church to be. And so that's what you see in the history right now and uh, back in the Bible, and you also see it happening right now. You see under a government where, where a lot of people have been uh, suppressed and, and, and whatnot, but what you see across the nation right now is a whole body of people starting to rise up and, uh, and let their lives shout, amen? And at the moment, it's just not quite loud enough, but it is getting louder. And uh, interesting facts, if you look at what's happening in Australia right now, that, um, uh, that one of the... Uh, one of the guys in the government was talking about two epidemics that, uh, that, uh, that are right being raised up in Australia at the moment. Both start with P. One is pornography and the other one is uh, Pentecostalism. <laughs> Churches are becoming so strong, have had, had such a strong voice and, uh, and are making so much of a noise and providing answers. And, and they have become so relevant that now the government institutions of the, nation, of, of the continent of Australia are now knocking on the door of the church saying, uh, give us answers. And what we're believing right now is it's like, uh, we are believing that uh, our nation, the, 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 world, the, the church across the body of Christ in, in New Zealand and Hastings will stand up, will have a voice that the government of this nation will turn to the church and say, we'll turn to God and say, give us an answer. We need an answer for the problems that we've got. Amen. That is what God has called us to do. So it doesn't matter what circumstances are like right now. God is in control of everything. Have you got your Bible with you right now? Excellent. We're going to have a fantastic this morning. You get your Bibles when you turn to uh, John chapter 11. Father, we just thank you for this day. Father, we just uh, thank you for this meeting. Father, we pray right now that your spirit will just fill this place. Lord, that your spirit will touch every heart. But your spirit will touch every life today in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'll bring us into a new sense of life in Jesus' name. Everybody said. And uh, this is a story in, in, in John chapter 11. Uh, it starts off in verse 1. And, uh, and there was a certain man called Lazarus. Everybody say Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Lazarus got sick. And eventually died. And in verse 17, it says, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. 
Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And um, as, now, Martha, as, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know, Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Here we have Lazarus, isn't he? He's got sick, he's in a condition, and, and, then, he, and then he died. He, he, he ceased to live. And uh, this story is very, um, paints a picture of what uh, I guess many people are like to like. Uh, when, when people are separated from God, just like sheep, when they get separated from the flock, they become sick and they get, uh, become vulnerable to, to, to dogs and, and uh, wild animals like this. And the Bible also says that um, uh, the wages of sin is death. So everyone is born into sin. Because of man's sin, everyone is born into sin. So everyone is born into a place of separation from God. But praise God, because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you and I can now have a relationship with God again. He can fill that void in our lives. He can make us new again. So here we've got the, 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 the man Lazarus is actually, I believe, a, a picture or a, or a symbol of what the world is like today who have got sick and died. And he said to Martha, he said, do you believe that, uh, that, that your brother will get well? And said, she, she knows the, the scriptures. She knows it up here and says, yeah, yeah, I know that in the resurrection that when the son of, uh, everyone's going to rise again from the dead. And he says, no, no, no. He says, I am the son, of, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that he could rise again now? Do you believe that something can happen now? Do you believe that I can take this dead body and put life into him now? Same question today. Do you believe that God could move upon our city, that God could move upon the young people, the older people? Do you believe that God could move upon our nation and bring it to life now? Yes, yes. <laughs> Anyway, what, what, this morning I want to talk about uh, the rock of offense. So if you've got your Bibles, just flick across to, to, to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says here in verse 7, Therefore to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Now, if you look at this piece of scripture here, first it says, it puts people in two categories. Uh, the first one is to those who believe. And then the other one is to those who are disobedient. So what he does, he's drawing a... Um, whatever a word is, he's drawing a connection there between um, uh, uh, obedience, uh, belief in obedience and unbelief in disobedience. 
To those who believe, he has become, to those who believe, he has become a precious stone. To those who are disobedient, or to those who are in unbelief, he has become a stumbling block, a, a, a rock of offense. Now, when we look at the whole thing of, of offense, how Jesus has become a rock of offense. So, so there's some people in this world, and, and when Jesus first came into this world, for some people, he was, uh, to some he was the smell of life, to others he was the smell of death. To others, he, to some, he brought life. To some, um, he really upset. Now, there's a difference. When, when you look at the word of offense, there is a big difference between um, uh, being an offense and being offensive. So when you talk about the word belief, you talk, let's, let's look at the, the terms of obedience and truth because um, to believe, if, if, if he's talking about uh, disobedience being the opposite of believing, then believing has to do with obedience, has something to do with obeying. So when you actually believe something, you also obey. There's an action that goes with it. You want to find out what somebody truly believes? You find out what their lifestyle is like. You look at the lifestyle. Look at the decisions they make. Look at the signs that follow them. You will soon see what they truly do believe. Amen? So to some people, he's talking about uh, the stone... Uh, and the guts of it is this, the nature, the evil nature of people, because sin is entered in the world, people just want to do their own thing. People can be very stubborn and just want to do their own thing. On the, on the outside, they can nod their heart in their head, but it's the inside. It's... One of the big things that we face in New Zealand is rebellion. Now, some people can just rebel straight out, right, like a little kid, and tell you, you know, go and tidy your room, and he says, No. That's just straight-out rebellion. <laughs> but there's other, one of the big things in New Zealand is passive rebellion, which means on the outside, they sort of can give a sort of agreement, do a, a, sort of, a, a sort of an act of obedience, but not quite do the whole thing. Or on the inside, they'll, or they'll on the outside say yes, but on the inside say no. And so for some of these people, uh, so when... One of the, the mandates of Jesus was to bring truth back into the world again, to bring people out of a place of darkness, out of a place of death, into a place of light. And to do that, he had to bring people into a place of disobedience, into a place of obedience. And then, like I said, the, the nature of people, they just want to do their own thing. How many people you got a kid or something like that, and, or maybe you employ somebody, and, and uh, it's like you ask them to do a job, and they only do the job half pie, and it's like, my What's wrong with you, boy? I told you to clean the van, and it's like it's, it's still messy. It's like, yes, on the outside, but no on the inside. So for some people, Jesus is a precious stone. For some people, he is a source of true life. But for others, he's a stumbling block. Now, let's look at the, let's look at the, 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 the difference between these two. So obedience, when, you, uh, when you're trying to bring somebody into obedience... When you're trying to bring somebody in belief, for some it was a, a stumbling block because they just wanted to do their own thing. And when Jesus came, also known as the Word, of, where the Word was made flesh, Jesus became the Word of God, is the Word of God, anointed with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. So when the Spirit of truth, when Jesus comes to bring truth, people started to get upset because they start to see the true condition and hence become a stumbling block. Now, some people think they're doing Jesus a favor by going out and doing silly things. Oh, I'm going to go out and being a, 
Jesus was offensive because it was truth. Some people go out there and they're just downright offensive, not because they're representing God, not because they're representing truth, but because they're being a downright twit. Some Christians, they go out there in the, in the marketplace and the way they conduct themselves in the, in, the, in the world is offensive. It's not doing any, any favours at all. And it is not a true representation of who Christ is. It's offensive. There are, yeah, it's just, anyway, we won't get into that. But the whole word of, uh, of obedience means to obey, which is an action. And it's like, for so many people, it's heard of the term, um, you know, walking the talk. Now, so many Christians, uh, you know, and I'm preaching to myself here this morning as well. It's like so many Christians, so many times we, the words that come out of our mouths, the words that, we, that we've memorized because we've been in church for so long, we learn up all the words, we think we believe them because we have them up here and we speak them out here, we think we believe them. But actually knowing something is not necessary, believing something. In Luke 6, it says, um, Jesus asked the question of the people that are around him. He says, why do, you, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you, on the outside, tell me that I'm your saviour or tell me that you're obedient to me, but actually you're doing something completely different? And so, uh, so in order for our lives to be, uh, be a true believer, we must be obedient to the word of God. We must live a life of both truth and obedience. Now, both of those two things are both stumbling blocks. For some people, they are, a, a, they are a precious jewel. For some people, they are a stumbling block because it attacks the very nature of people. It, it, it shines light on the very nature of people that they're just rebellious and they just want to do their own thing. And so here Jesus is talking about um, uh, you've got to walk the talk. You've got to do what you say you believe. And the Bible says in James 1 verse 22, it says, if you believe but don't do, you are, you are in deception. You are hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. In other words, we hear great messages preached on Sunday. We can read the Bible and hear all the great things that God wants to have for our lives. But unless we do them, unless we bring our lives into obedience, unless we bring our lives into a life, into truth and into the light, it will be a stumbling block for us. But if we do that, it becomes a source of life. So if we are not doing what we say we are believing, we are actually deceiving ourselves. I wonder how many people today, and you look at across the, the whole church today, the reason is there's no power in the church is because people have not done what God has said to do. So truth, so the sinful of nature of people is that they just want to do their own thing. People, are, people profess to believe in God, but refuse to, point, uh, uh, refuse to believe in Jesus to the point of obedience. A lot of people are just satisfied just to, to receive Jesus as their saviour. In other words, we just don't want to go to hell. <laughs> Life insurance. But really, you, we must, in order for us to have a relationship with God, we must receive him as both Savior and as Lord. See, the thing is, uh, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. See, the Bible says that the, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. In other words, everything, all creation, every, the, the whole world belongs to God. 
and everything that is created belongs to God. You are created. That much of a dog that is at home, that is created by God. <laughs> so everything in the, the, the whole earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. So then that means if we belong to God, if, we, if God created us, we belong to God. <laughs> and when something belongs to you, you can do what you please. You expect that to do uh, and to be obedient to what you say. So if you have a family and you, you, you have kids in your family, those children belong to you. You expect that those children will obey when you say, tidy your room. Is it just the fact of saying, tidy your room? No, it's more than that. It's about bringing a life into obedience. And it's about having responsibility over little things so that when you grow up, you can learn to have responsibility over bigger things and your life will not fall apart. That's why God says, children, obey your parents. So it just comes down to basic obedience. And so, um, so the, the, the Jesus we profess must be also the Jesus we obey. So Christians know a lot of things but confuse knowing with believing. And here we talk about, um, in, in John chapter 11, verse 23 to verse 27, it says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know that. Because at the resurrection, everyone will rise from the dead. And he said, he said and then he, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who come into this world. Now, here we have, we have a situation where the, where, the, where the guy is dead. Like we have a, a situation where we have a, uh, where we have a nation, we have a world in dire need of, of the life of God. So up here, he's, Jesus is saying, do you believe that this man will rise again? Yeah? Because I read it in scripture. Now I ask you again, do you believe that this man can rise again? So the question again today, do you believe that God can change our nation? Do you believe that God could raise our nation up? Do you believe that God could bring life into these young people, into the older people of Hawke's Bay that are dying today? Do you believe that? Because we nod our heads and say yes because we've read in the Bible and we heard in church that God is creative. We know it up here, but do we really believe it in our heart? Do we really believe it in our heart? That's what I mean. Sometimes we're so confused knowing with believing. I know a lot of stuff because I've read a lot of stuff in the Bible. <laughs> Some things, are the, but I still have to come into a place of actually believing it in my heart. You know what I'm talking about. So sometimes knowing in the head, knowing is not necessarily believing. Knowing in the head means there's absolutely no change in the lifestyle. You can know plenty of things up in here, but not necessarily have your heart changed. But when you know something in your heart, when you believe something in your heart, when you're absolutely convinced it to be true, not because you've heard it, not because of anything else, but you know because it's been revealed to you by God. It will change your life. There will be a change in your lifestyle. The thing is, people do not like to change. But change is good. Everybody say change is good. So often we, people, so, so Jesus has come as the spirit of truth. 
One of the reasons Jesus came, like I said, is to bring truth. He is the word of God. The word of God is truth. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit, also known as the Spirit of Truth. So whenever Jesus came, the, everywhere he went, he, brought, he came to bring truth. He came to, bring, uh, he came to shine the light on people's hearts because a lot of people knew a lot of things. Pharisees and people in the Bible knew a lot of, a lot of the Scripture. Friends, the devil knows the Bible. The devil probably knows the Bible better than you and I. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people know stuff, but it's like God wants us to, to uh, the spirit of truth starts to shine upon our light and say, let's see what you really believe. Let's see what's really in your heart. The spirit of truth, truth is like a light. And so Jesus, the word, is like a measuring stick. And, uh, and often it's like when we, we, we think we believe something or uh, but it's just like, but in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 10, verse 12, it says people measure themselves against themselves. People measure themselves against themselves. Quite often it's like we think we're doing okay, and the, and the Bible also talks about uh, in 2 Corinthians um, verse 30, chapter 13, verse 5, it says, test or examine yourselves through Scripture to see if you are in the faith. So quite often as Christians, if we live our life and we, we compare ourselves to another Christian or to another believer over there and think, well, I'm better than that person or I'm not doing what they're doing, so I must be okay. We examine, we examine ourselves, we compare ourselves with one another. It's like a man looking at, the Bible also talks about, like a man looking at his face in the mirror. <laughs> Here's a look, oh, it's pretty good, it's not bad, it's ugly. Need to do something about that. <laughs> well, it says examine yourselves. How do you examine yourself? You examine yourself not against another person, not against another Christian. But you examine your own heart against the Word of God. Does The question is, does your life, does our lives line up with the Word of God? Does our lives line up with the Word of God, which is truth? Oh, we're better than the Catholics because of this, that, and the other thing. Compare ourselves with the Catholics, compare ourselves with people down the road, compare ourselves with other religions. Oh, we're better than that because we've got... Yeah. No, no. You know, even as Catholics take a vow of silence, so Christians, so Pentecostal people also take a vow of silence when they do not testify for what God has done in their life. That is just the same as taking a vow of silence. We may have the loudest church in the flipping country, but we could still be the silent church. Unless we get out and speak, our lifestyles show what we truly believe, then we are a vow of silence. So we need to measure ourselves. Does our lives line up with the word of God? When we embrace Christ, we embrace truth. So a lot of the times we can embrace Christ as our saviour because we want life insurance uh, for eternity, but we do not embrace him as Lord. So today, if, we, if you profess out of your mouth that you embrace Christ as your saviour, if you embrace Christ, full stop, then you must also embrace his word. We must embrace truth. And it's like uh, people can be sincere in what they believe, but can be sincerely wrong. You can be absolutely well-meaning in your heart. You can be totally sincerely uh, believe it, but you can be, still be totally wrong. 
For years and years, the people thought that the world was flat. They sincerely believed that the world was flat, but they were wrong. I can sincerely think that an apple is actually an orange. From the bottom of my heart, I can believe this thing is an orange. But it's not, it's an apple. So when we hear things, we, sometimes we hear things, and we, but it doesn't match up with the Word of God. But like I said, we must let our lives match up with the Word of God. It's like also people with a warrant of fitness, with a car. You know, I had a car, and, and my, you know, it's my friend said, man, this car's okay, it drives okay, it looks all right, there's nothing wrong with it, man. You get a, that, should, that should be allowed on the road. You take it down to the warrant of fitness station, you run it through the testing station there, and you say, man, this car should not be on the road. You've got this here wrong with it, and you've got that there wrong with it. Listen, but my mate said it was okay. My mate said, my friend said I could drive it. They said it sounded good and it looked good. It had a good motor in it and this and that and the other thing. And you're telling me it's not good? I can't drive it on the road? Two different standards. You've got your, the, the people are around you. You're comparing yourself or you're comparing your car with other people. But actually, you're not comparing yourself. You're not comparing the car to the standard which the government sets. So what standard, what measurement does your life, is your life built around? Is it on the opinion of others? Is it and it's just something that you've heard? Or is it built around truth? The truth is the car is unfit to drive. Why? Because the governing body who authorises, who sets what says to be, said it, you cannot drive it. It's like you look at a house, and it's like, you know, we were just building a house a little while ago, and I was looking at some of these walls, and I said to the builder, man, these walls look pretty straight. Pretty straight. I thought they looked straight. They looked straight to me. <laughs> and my builder, Jeff, says, no, no, another way out. And I said, well, how do you know? He said, look, I've got the square. Put it up against the square, and the wall is out. Ah, oh, No. Here I was, in my own opinion, I was believing that the wall was straight, but actually when you compared it to something that was set, it was a true right angle, it was crooked. But I was convinced that I was right. And if I carried on that way, I would have a crooked house. Or if I carried on the way with a, with a broken down car where I thought was all right, my friends told me it was all right, I was convinced it was okay, it would eventually probably kill me. But I thought it was okay. So the Bible talks about that Christ is the cornerstone. When the stumbling block when I was building the house was like, you may have to take that wall out of it. Yes, yes. Ah, do I have to? Yep. Ah. See, friends, the Bible talks about Christ as the stumbling stone. To some people, he is the one that makes all paths straight. He is the one that can make your house square. But for other people, he is a stumbling block. And uh, so, friend, who is Jesus to you today? See, the thing about Jesus, he proclaimed truth. He came to proclaim truth. Like, like, you don't have to look very far to see that there is a world out there that are dying. There is a world out there that are in deception. People out there, they, they, they think they're going somewhere, but actually they're going somewhere else. We live in a world today that is in um, deep darkness and, and needs, uh, needs Jesus. I'm telling you, friend, tonight, we, today we live in a world that, friends, needs Jesus. So Jesus proclaimed truth wherever he went. See, the thing is with truth, it exposes what's in people's hearts. So when Jesus came into this world and he started to, uh, started to speak to people and he started to get into people's lives, 
like I said, to some people gathered around him and thought, man, this is, you are just what we needed. For others who had uh, stuff in their hearts that was not right, he was like a light that come and start to expose what it was really like in their hearts. You look at a, um, a, couple, of, uh, a couple of scriptures here in John chapter 6, verse 64. He confronts his disciples. So all these people have come around Jesus thinking, man, we want to serve you. We want to help you build your kingdom. We want to be trained by you. And then he starts to talk, about, talk to them about the cost of being a disciple, the cost of what it takes to, to get what they're actually asking for. And then Jesus sees inside of their hearts. He starts to see the true condition. And he said, some of you do not believe. Some of you are in unbelief, but, but we're disciples, we go to church, we follow you. Some of you are in unbelief. You're saying that you're following me, but actually you're in unbelief. You're in disobedience. You will not bring your lifestyle into the place, into a, into a lifestyle which pleases God. You're in disobedience. And of course, the, these disciples, is, uh, they got offended and walked away. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus first starts his ministry, he gets up into church and he re- opens up the Bible and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, to preach the good news. And, blah, blah, blah. and so he, he reads this passage of scripture as he normally does in church. And all the church stood up and clapped their hands and said, well, what a great young man this man is. What a wonderful word he spoke. It's outstanding. They, were talking, they talked amongst themselves and they said, who is this young man? There's something awesome about him. He's just... And he is anointed. <laughs> he is anointed. But Jesus could see past inside of their hearts. And then Jesus starts to turn the tables. He stands back up again and starts to say, actually, there's some stuff in your hearts that are not right. You think you're the people that... And he starts to go on and, and he starts to expose their hearts. And this is the church. He starts to expose truth. He starts to speak exactly what was in their hearts. On the outside, they were professing to be something, but on the inside, their hearts were filled with pride and filled with rebellion. And so he starts to speak to them and says, you guys are going to get your life right. And they did not like that and how they reacted. Boy, they got up and they took him up to a mountain and they wanted to kill him. He was a stumbling block because, friends, truth can be a stumbling block. See, truth manifests, truth, uh, it's like light with cockroaches. You, you open up a, uh, lift up a rock on the ground, and it's like all of a sudden the cockroaches see the sun, and boy, they scurry for their lives. And it's the same thing when, when God starts to open up our hearts and start to, when the, when the word of God starts to get into our hearts and, and we start to compare what our life is really life, some people get upset. Some people get upset. And if you look down here, let's go back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus was talking, uh, talking to the Jews. And see, the friends, you've got to understand that the heart of God is to bring life. The heart of God is that he would restore mankind back, up to, him, back to him again. That is the reason why he sent Jesus. That is the very reason that Jesus was proclaiming truth. Because as long as people were in deception, because as long as people were in rebellion, they would have no relationship with God. When I was naughty with my, when I was young fella and, um, yeah. When I did things that 
dad didn't want me to do. I was, when I was in rebellion, it's like there was a relationship broken with my father, with the home. Dad said to me, he says, okay, son. He said, you, you can do what you want to do. You can believe in the same thing. Well, so we can believe what we want to believe. But we're not necessarily right. You can do what you want to do, but you're not necessarily going to be right in what you're doing. And as long as you keep doing what you're doing, you won't be able to live in my house. Because these are the rules of my house. You obey these rules, you can have anything you like in this house. But when there was a relationship broken, there was a separation there. And see, friends, when you have a right relationship with God, you have access into his presence. You can access anything you need. So, friend, today, I can go and knock on my, I don't have to knock on my dad's door. I can just, uh, in my parents' house, I can just walk into that house, and as long as I'm in right relationship, I can access everything that dad has, everything that mum and dad has, is available for me to use. It's available for me to have if I'm in right relationship with God. Is he trying to withhold it from me? No, he's not trying to withhold it from me. The only reason it gets withheld from me is because when I do silly things or when I do dumb things that cause a breach in the relationship, that causes it to be withheld. He doesn't withhold from anything from me. I cause it through rebellion. So here Jesus is talking to these, these Jews and he's saying, look, if you want to get your life right, if you want to tap into an everlasting life source, if you want to get your lives right with God, man, you guys have got to sort your lives out. You can't expect to come to church and lift your hands up and do this and, and know all the verses in the Bible or whatever, but actually your lifestyles and what's in your heart is totally different. And when he started to speak like that, they got upset with him and it says, and again, they wanted to stone him. They got so upset that they wanted to stone him. And it's like part of, um, part of being a pastor and part of what we've got to do is like, well, we're going to speak truth into people's lives. It's like we can look at the nation and it's like it's in darkness because people are believing a lie. And when you stand up and say, this is wrong and this is right, people will get upset with you. People will get upset with you. The question is, are you, willing, are you willing to face that? Will you back down? And as we'll, we'll just have a look a little bit further. So, and uh, Jesus he says to him, he says, But you do not believe, in verse 26, because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In other words, my, my sheep hear the voice. We hear the voice of God. We hear God speaking to us through his word and through revelation, and we obey it. That brings us being into his sheep. And he says, but you, you're a disobedient bunch. You're a bunch of rascals. And he says, they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never, ever perish. And the thing is with Jesus, like he's, truth will always confront your lifestyle and confront your beliefs. You only have to shine the light on. Truth, truth exposes people's hearts to see where they're really at. And it's like Jesus never, ever backed down from truth. Friend, we can never, ever back down from what is right. So Jesus was not politically correct. He was not politically correct. Politically correct. 
So many times we say things or do things to stop so we don't hurt or upset the person, so we don't rock the boat. But friends, that is not godly. If it's wrong, tell them it's wrong. In the education system today, people are trying to say, well, you didn't, you didn't fail. Yes, they fail. Get used to it. There'll be times in life where there'll be lots of failures come your way and you've got to be prepared for it. Friend, if we don't tell the truth, we will bring people into deception. If we don't stand up for what is right, if we don't let our lifestyles shout the truth today, we will live and lead people into deception. Friends, God wants us, our lifestyles, to live in a place where we actually believe and act what we say we believe. And Jesus, see, Jesus did not back down in verse, in chapter 11, verse, um, uh, in verse 7, because when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, I'm going to go, and, I'm going to, I, I want to go and see Lazarus. And, but he's in this place where they threatened to stone me, and the, and the disciples said to him, Jesus, you can't go back there. He said, why not? Why can't I go back there? He said, well, well those are the people that wanted to stone you. Aren't you afraid of being stoned again? From what you, Jesus, you said some pretty, you said some things there which upset those people, and they're not very happy with you. And he says, "So, I am not going to back down. I will not be intimidated from saying what is right. If it's wrong, I'll tell them it's wrong and show them the right way." And he says in verse nineteen. He says, is there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble when he sees the light of this world. Because, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Friend, the word is the light Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look, I'm saying these things because I care about them. Yes, they're Jews. Yes, they're living in the, the, their lifestyles are wrong. What they're doing is wrong. But I'm speaking the truth. Friends, if you live your life in the light, you will not stumble. If you live your life according to the word of God, you won't get offended. You won't fall over. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 165, blessed are those that love your word because nothing shall offend them. Or another version says, nothing will cause them to stumble. Your word is a light unto my feet and a, a lamp unto my path. Friends, if we have a lifestyle of truth, if we have a lifestyle where we actually live out of what we profess we believe, you won't stumble. So anyway, Jesus comes here uh, to Lazarus. He says to Martha, do you believe? Do you believe that your brother will rise again from the dead? She said, yeah, 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 I, I believe. So he comes to the, so he comes to the, uh, to the grave. This was wrapping up here. He says, where have you laid him? And see, Jesus was very upset. See, Jesus is upset at the way our nation is. It breaks his heart to see people waste their lives away on drugs. It breaks his heart to see people in the place of death because he knows that's not what they were created for. And he said, where is Lazarus? So they took him to the grave. So he comes to this grave, they put Lazarus in a tomb. The reason why you put Lazarus, the reason why you put a, a dead person in the tomb, they put the stone across it. The reason they did that is because they didn't really want to see a dead, decaying body. The true state of Lazarus was this. 
that he was dead. Jesus said, he said, Lazarus is dead. He said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So they put him in a a tomb and rolled a stone across it. How many people have seen a really ugly grave before? I haven't. When you put somebody in the ground, if you've seen a dead animal or something, they start to rot and they start to decay and they start to fall apart. Their true condition is that they stink. The true condition is a place of death. The true condition is a place of separation. The true condition is a place of falling apart. And so they put Lazarus in the tomb to try and cover the true condition up. And they put a tome, uh, rolled a stone across there and put flowers across the top of the tomb so that when people look at the tomb, they see flowers. Or they see a lovely thing which reminds them of Lazarus, but actually Lazarus is really dead. It's like so many people we come who can put on such a big facade on the outside and we dress up in lots of little flowers and hide behind a, a business or hide behind our, our success or hide behind this or hide behind that. But actually the true condition is that it stinks. There is, there is death inside. There is unbelief inside. There is rebellion inside. There is disobedience inside. That is the true condition. The first thing Jesus said was, roll away the stone. You roll away the stone. You put him there, you roll away the stone. Friends, the first thing we've got to do if we want to encounter that life that God has for us is we've got to roll away the stone. In other words, we've got to start telling the truth. We've got to let our lifestyles actually live what we profess, we say we believe. And And they said, but he stinks. In other words, but it's not very good what's inside. People are going to get upset. He said, did I not say to you, if you would just believe, you will see the resurrection power of God. If you would not just believe, if you would not just obey, you would see something supernatural take place in your life. See, if she really believed in here, she would have done it immediately. But her first response, she said, no, it wasn't, it's not going to happen. There was doubt, there was unbelief. She didn't do she made excuses, but, 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 but. And so Jesus reminds her once again, did I not say, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Friends, if you want to see, if we want to see the presence of God come and touch our church, come and touch and start to transform our region, start to transform our nation, we've got to live, we've got to bring our lives into obedience. We're going to actually live what we profess. We say we believe. So Jesus, he, as she rolls away the stone, friends, tonight, if you want to, today, if you want a source of life, if you want to get healed in your life, if you, friends, you've got to be open and honest about your true condition. People here today, some of you, your marriages are falling apart. Some of you on the outside, you say that, yeah, business is going fine, but don't look at the bank statements. Actually, on the outside, you are all flash and looking good, but on the inside, you're falling apart. If you keep that facade on, you'll never, ever encounter the life that Jesus has for you to live. So Jesus says to the... um, So you start to roll away the stone. 
And then Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Come out of your place of death. Come out of your place of despair. Come out of that place that stinks. And then Lazarus came forth. Friends, the reason Jesus had that supernatural power around his life was because he spoke the truth, he lived the truth, he lived by the word of God. And he wasn't intimidated. He did not back down. Friends, today I want to tell you, God wants to do something supernatural in our city. God wants to do something supernatural in our nation. Like I said, sometimes we can look at the circumstances and think, I know God up here that you created the heavens and the earth. If God created the heavens and the earth, how hard would it be for him just to transform Hastings? How hard would it be for God who created the heavens and the earth just by a spoken word? How hard would it be for him to turn New Zealand around? How hard could it be? Friends, today, he has put his spirit inside of yours and my life. He has placed the spirit of truth inside yours and my life. And that spirit of truth pricks our conscience. Friend, we can see our city turned around. We can see our nation turned around. We can see God supernaturally come and transform it. We can see it happen. If we would just stand up and speak and let our lives shout what we say we believe, we will see it happen. Today, in your own life right now, there's people here, on the outside you're looking good, but on the inside you are broken, you are hurting, and you are in deception, you think you're doing okay, but you're not. The longer you stay in that place, it's like a dentist. The longer you put it off, the worse it's going to get. Today, your life can be turned around. Today, your business can be turned around. Today, your marriage can be turned around. If you would just roll away the stone, roll away the facade, and say, God, this is what I'm really like. God, I'm sorry, change my heart. I will be obedient to you and bring my life into accordance with your word. I've seen many people here today, many people do just that and their life are prospering. Friend, what if we all did that? What if we all started to believe in our heart what we say we believe up here? Amen? We could see our place turned around. We could see our place, we could see this church grow. We could see the nation of New Zealand turned around. It doesn't matter what the government do. The government can do what they like. But when the whole body of Christ starts to stand up, stands up for what's truth and what's right, People get upset, but don't be intimidated. Let's not be intimidated. Let's not be ashamed of what the condition is like. Let's just get it out in the open. Let God sort it out. Why don't we just close our eyes? Like I said, truth requires a response. You will either... Believe it and change or you'll reject it and react. See, the Bible says that truth brings freedom. 
John 8 verse, in John 8 it talks about, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You can know it up here, but you've got to know it in here. Some of you here today are in bondage. Maybe you've got habitual sin around your life or financial struggles or issues that you, you just can't seem to shake. Friend, you've got to be open and honest about your condition. Bring it, let your life start to line up with the word of God. You shall know the truth and that truth shall set you free. In John, in, John verse, in, in John chapter 6, when all the other disciples walked away because they heard that it was too hard, they were offended and they heard the truth. One of them turned around and said this. He said, Jesus, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, Jesus doesn't want you to stumble. The words of Jesus, the truth will bring you eternal life. And as they obeyed Jesus and rolled away the stone from the grave, if she was disobedient, if she refused in her heart to believe that that could be possible, they would not have got their brother back. Today we have many brothers and sisters that are in their place of death. We're going to obey the truth. We're going to obey Jesus today. We're going to roll away that stone. Friends, the first thing you can do today is respond to Jesus. First thing you can do is invite him into your life. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never asked him into your life to be your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray for you at the end of this meeting. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed right now, is there any people here You've never invited Jesus into your heart. Tonight, this morning, you want to invite him in. You want your life to change, why don't you just raise your hand? Be around after the meeting if you wanted to come and catch up with me. I can show you how to really, really receive Jesus Christ. Today, I don't want to take up any older call, but friends, you've actually got to make this decision in your heart. We've all got to make this decision in our heart and make it every day. Amen? Amen. Why don't you just stand up and just sing the last song? Have a great week.